Marking hymn number 218, as Brother Randall has asked that we do, that we'll stand in a few moments and sing that at the conclusion of our lesson today. Might we be reminded that as we've enjoyed the opportunity so far of the wonderful privilege of coming together, of appreciating God's blessing and health and in other ways, what a wonderful opportunity it is to perhaps spend this portion of our lesson today in a lesson I've entitled Review and Expectation. We had read just a moment ago from the very words of Paul himself in Philippians 3, a text that relates interestingly to the one that we'll consider also this morning, to perhaps, as we might introductorily say, to look back just a little bit on the year 2008 and also to look a little bit forward to the year 2009. We each know in our own families, if we were to be asked about some of the features and experiences that we considered this past year, there were no doubt many things that happened. Perhaps your family enjoyed an addition. Maybe there were some losses. Maybe there were changes in your career. It could be that there were sad events in one way or another. It could be that a number of rejoicing opportunities and celebrations came your way. We understand life brings changes. Those changes can sometimes weigh heavy upon our hearts. It can also sometimes bring great rejoicing moments and great wonderful experiences. You might appreciate that it's also true in a spiritual family. We looked last Lord's Day morning at the church as a family and considered just briefly some of the teachings of the New Testament that describe it in language like that because that God is our Father. Interestingly enough, this morning, might we at least briefly consider some of the events that we experienced here at Pippin in the year 2008, and also to pave the way for a consideration of some things that might come our way in the year 2009. Some of those happenings and some of those events, no doubt, were good things that brought smiles to our faces and happy events and times. There were also, of course, some losses, things that did not go the way we might have wished and the way we'd even planned it. But nonetheless, that's often the way things take place. It provides us with a way to review this year and to also prepare us to look at the year 2009 if God blesses us with just a few more days. After all, this is the 52nd Sunday of the year 2008. It is the last Sunday of this year. And so let's begin with a review of some of the things that might be said about the Pippin congregation for the year 2008. First of all, I chose to list some of the things that might be reminded for us about our collective corporate worship, times that we assembled and met together to offer praise and adoration to God, times that we were able to exhort and edify each other. And so with that being said, let's first of all notice these. The Pippin congregation met 209 distinct times in the year 2008 for the purpose of worship and the purpose of fulfilling that commandment to assemble together. As we notice texts such as Hebrews 10:25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, that helps us see the import and importance of assembling together in times to praise God, to worship Him, and to, of course, also carry out the Lord's work in terms of those acts that relate to worship. Among those 209 times, we can appreciate that we fulfill the statements of 1 Corinthians 11, verse 20. When you come together, we did come together well over 200 times, looking forward with expectation to the things that God has commanded for us to do on those occasions. 
might we also notice that in those times of gathering, we have sung approximately 825 songs. As we lifted our voices together, praising God, we fulfill that statement of Hebrews 13, 15, that the fruit of our lips offering praise and adoration to God. Might we be reminded that that too is a central feature of, of course, our worship, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, that opening part of Ephesians 5, verse 19. So we did speak to ourselves in psalms, in hymns, in spiritual songs, but he went on to say, making melody in your heart to the Lord. Those were not songs, you see, that we merely sang for the benefit of each other. They did encourage, and they did, in fact, direct our minds to some wonderfully holy ideas. But they all, of course, praised God. They were directed to God as the primary recipient. In addition to singing, notice that we also uttered some 625, approximately, in terms of number, prayers, in which we prayed perhaps at the Lord's table, at the end of the service, near the beginning of the service, perhaps at the close of the Bible study hour. All of those things we were able to consider as a portion of a means of drawing ourselves nearer unto God. For do we not read in James, the fourth chapter, draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Those opportunities of prayer were wonderful things in that we were able to lay our burdens and our cares upon God. We were able to carry to him what we couldn't bear ourselves, of course, but also to thank Him for prayers answered in the past, for providential protection and provision and care that He has provided. We had opportunity, you see, of these over 600 times in a collective way to offer our thanksgiving unto God. That perhaps reminds us of that statement again by Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, to pray without ceasing. We had the admonition then and followed through many times in our services of reminding ourselves as to why we come together. We come together to honor God. And so we prayed to Him, besought His blessings upon us, prayed for His guidance in our activities, and tried to focus our attention and our eyes upon Him. Might it also be noted, of course, in terms of our contribution that as a congregation, we contributed over $91,000 to the work of the Lord here. In terms of that money, we were able to then see and allow it to be utilized for the furtherance of the cause of God in this place and in other places where this congregation chooses to direct those funds and to carry out those efforts. In 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2, we have a statement about the purpose of that giving and the nature of it itself. For Paul said, When I gave order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Notice that as they were to lay by in store, you and I have done the same. Each first day of the week, giving as we have been prospered, with the intent that that money, those funds, be used profitably and in accordance to the will of God for the furtherance of his cause here and elsewhere. When Paul made that collection for the poor saints in Jerusalem, Notice that that specific benevolent activity was such that the first, the first day of the week contribution supported and made that possible. 
I've chosen to list following now many other things in just a moment that that money has allowed to take place. Works that the Pippin Church has supported. But perhaps one more thing in terms of our worship first. We have mentioned the contribution, and we've mentioned the number of times we've partaken of the Lord's Supper, and made notice of some other things related to our worship, like prayers and singing. What about the fifth aspect of worship? That is, a study or the, or the proclamation of the Word of God. I chose also to list some things about that. Perhaps you might note that you've endured some 94 of my sermons. That by itself, for, my, for me, please take note, is not any great thing. The hope has been to set forth the Word of God, for that is all ultimately that matters. But on 94 occasions, I have personally stood in the pulpit, and there have been a few other times when others have as well. But as the Word of God is shared, might we notice that that could be also augmented by the number of Bible studies. 48 Sunday morning Bible studies that, that I have conducted, some 35 on Wednesday evening, taken all together, notice that that translates to over 110 hours of Bible instruction. And again, that doesn't count the hours related to, to those that were, of course, otherwise. That alone is a significant number of hours, isn't it? Perhaps we have been encouraged to more carefully understand God's Word, to know it better, to implant it in our heart, certainly to learn things we might not have otherwise known, but to implement it and to apply it in the normal activities in the days of our lives. Those kinds of ideas help us see that the collective times that we come together are very significant in the sense that not only do they magnify the name of God, but they consume or make use of in a good, wise way hours of our life that lead us to higher plateaus of godliness and higher plateaus of holy living. Might we also notice, if one were to add up the number of hours merely related to Wednesday evening and Sunday morning, with those individuals who teach the classes, the various classes that take place here, well over 57 hours of time has been devoted in those instances to a study of the Word of God. May you and I each have been greatly benefited to have thought about God's Word, to interact with it directly, for it is still the case that the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That text from Hebrews 4 verse 12 reminds us that we deal with something that's active, something that in fact is not a dead letter, to note 2 Corinthians 3 verse number 6. The characteristics also to be noted next. Some wonderful times of rejoicing in that you and I had the privilege of celebrating nine restorations. On nine occasions, specifically, individuals came forward and besought prayers to restore them to faith. Individuals who appreciated that they had deviated from the pathway of godly living and they wanted each of us to pray on their behalf to God for their forgiveness. And on every occasion we were of course happy to, to do that. We also had the privilege of noting four baptisms in the year 2008. Individuals who came to trust in Jesus as their Savior. And as such, they desired to follow through with the gospel plan of salvation and have their name written in the Lamb's book of life. 
what wonderful times of rejoicing we can always see when we witness someone's obedience to the gospel of Jesus Christ. As the Pippin congregation understood and participated in those acts of rejoicing, now might we notice together some of the things that, in terms of work, that the Pippin church sponsors. Might we pause to appreciate that the work of the church falls into some three categories. There is that work of evangelism, the proclamation of the gospel under the banner of the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Mark 16, verses 15 and 16. And so the Pippin congregation has chosen to invest monies or efforts into the support of these various works of evangelism. One of the more recent ones that we have begun to support is the radio program on WLIV, The Lord's Word. Six days each week, the, that program airs on WLIV, AM 920, and this church sponsors the Tuesday edition of that program. Notice that to this point, well over 3.25 hours of Bible instruction has been provided to perhaps thousands who have listened and tuned in and have heard a somewhat brief lesson based on the truth of the Word of God. What a wonderful investment of the monies and efforts of this church. We do not know until perhaps eternity itself how much good may have been accomplished by that 3.25 hours, by the sincerity and profoundness and simplicity of God's truth. We, of course, with it being the blessing of God, will look forward to also continuing that effort in the year 2009. But in addition to the Lord's Word, we regularly, in one way or another, sponsor evangelistic efforts in a number of places around the world. I've chosen to list three for primary reference. First of all, might we notice the work in Africa. Brother Ron Gilbert was with us not very many days ago reminding us about his most recent trip there and some of the efforts in which he was able to involve himself and also to speak about the next trip that he has planned in the year 2009. As we appreciate the churches that he has been able to encourage there, in some cases to establish there, and as we have looked at the Bible school that he now conducts, training men to preach the gospel, you and I, by our contribution, have had a part in that work of godliness. But not only, Brother Gilbert, but what about in Europe, in the nation of Hungary? This congregation supports Brother Kerry Montague. And as he carries out, attempting to establish even more strongly a congregation in Hungary, he, of course, has met with significant opposition, but when he was here to visit with us that one time in 2008, he reminded us about the fact that the work was at least proceeding in a good fashion. Many Bible studies and others had been baptized in response to the gospel there. We can appreciate that, of course, Catholicism and other religions have a stronghold in that part of the world, and the work of the gospel, if given opportunity to germinate and grow, we can appreciate God's handiwork even there as well. But again, you and I had a part to play in the efforts even in that far distant place. Might we also notice Brother James Jones and the Restoration Radio Network, where, as he was with us to share those efforts back in September, he reminded us that as that gospel broadcasting network that puts forth over those radio stations, it is such that they broadcast to dozens and dozens of countries around the world. 
we again have at least some part to play in the carrying out of these works of evangelism to encourage those everywhere that they might come to know the gospel and that they would respond to it in obedient faith before that the time and opportunity for them is no more. These are some of the things that you and I have been able to engage in here at Pippin this year. Dozens of cases of benevolence could be mentioned where specific monies or other things were invested to help those in need. Perhaps it was direct mon money, perhaps it was food, perhaps it was otherwise. We appreciate that the Bible gives us instruction to do those very things. In Luke 10, 37, Jesus, after speaking that parable of the Good Samaritan, said, Go and do thou likewise. And in 1 John 3, 17, we're encouraged not to be those who love only in word or in tongue, but it must be in deed and in work. These kind of thoughts, perhaps in review, can be a little bit surprising as we look at what was able to be accomplished. Might we appreciate as we look at all of them that there was also in April some renovation work to our building that of course aided in the edification of us as we meet together to encourage one another and provide a place that's appropriate and needful as we assemble to carry out the works of worship and other things. Perhaps can we also notice that we have sponsored a gospel meeting this year. Brother James Watkins was with us from a Sunday to, to a Wednesday back in April. And as the gospel was proclaimed in simplicity, in power, in directness, and in purity, we appreciated the far-reaching impact of the loving way that that gospel was presented. And we look forward to other gospel endeavors like that one. I've listed perhaps two other things. As has been the case for many years, the Pippin congregation hosted the third Sunday singing back in August, and 113 souls were present that day as we lifted our voices together in song. We appreciated as it were almost a full house as we had an enjoyable afternoon singing praises to God. If one were to consider a bit about numbers in our attendance, we did see our attendance rise from 2007 to 2008. In that rise, we have increased from 77.3 to 80.8. As we look at that, we appreciate the handiwork of God among us. As we understand that more individuals have come our way to appreciate the truth of God, to appreciate the nature of the people of God who worship and work at this place. To say all of that is just a very brief review, admittedly. Many other things perhaps could be added to that list. But could I ask you to ponder just a minute in reflection on the year 2008? Wasn't God very good to us? Wasn't He a very powerful presence among us? Wasn't it such that as we focused efforts upon His work, the glory was directed to Him, and around the world we were able to share the goodness of God? But in regard to that kind of review, might I ask, God does not allow us to live in the past. He does not allow us to merely recline and to rest upon the accomplishments that have taken place in days gone by. If He blesses us with three more days, 2009 will then be before us. This year, 2009 A.D., is Anno Domini in the year of our Lord. And as such, may we respectfully honor the characteristic of God's Word and look forward to another bright year of His blessing upon our behalf. I did entitle the lesson, Review and Expectation. 
We've looked at the review part. Let's now look with a degree of expectation to the year 2009. What may be the case for that year? What could be said about it? First of all, the ideas that might be beginning in this, of this set of considerations would be this. What do you and I wish for the Pippin Church in 2009? It goes without saying that if it rests only as a wish, it will not come to pass, no matter how good the wish might be. Work must be involved. Determination and devotion are required to bring anything about. And so it is as we at least think about the expectations toward the coming year. Might I present a few verses that we'll use to finish out our lesson this morning that help us appreciate the expectations can truly be bright if we will allow God to give us the direction. Perhaps it is said so well in 2 Peter 3 verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. May I submit to you that the primary focus shouldn't by itself be upon numbers. I mentioned that the attendance increased, it seems, from a little over 77 to a little less than 81. That by itself is a great thing, but friend, the credit doesn't rest with you and with me. When you and I focus our efforts upon what God has commanded us to do, He will take care of the numbers. Be they the numbers related to the contribution, be they the numbers related to attendance, be they other matters related to numerics, God will take care of that. If we focus our efforts upon growing in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the other things like dominoes will fall into place. The other things will naturally follow as consequences. Thus, what is involved in growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? That seems to powerfully assert that the primary focus is on spiritual growth and maturity, not merely numeric numbers. Again, they will follow in their own due course. What can we say then about growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? I've listed some verses that should stand as a challenge to each of us as we look expectantly forward to the year 2009. Some of these verses, in fact, are as follows. We've already listed 2 Peter 3.18. Let's revisit that one and look a little bit more interestingly toward it. As Peter closed that letter of 2 Peter, he said, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. After devoting these three chapters of intensive effort to the nature of those brethren, Peter reminded them one last time that False doctrine is important, but one cannot focus solely on it. The ingredients of spiritual growth are vital, but one mustn't focus only on that. You seek to implement growth in your spiritual life. Draw closer unto God. Become a stronger person of faith. As you grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that growth will, in fact, be spread in like a contagious thing, hopefully to others, and your church will also follow in due course. The consideration of this growing in grace and in the knowledge is only amplified in Ephesians 4.15, where there to a different congregation, Paul this time wrote, but grow 
up in the faith. There's that same word grow again. May we pause to state then that despite the accomplishments of the year 2008, we can't say that we have reached the height and the fullness of the growth that God has in mind for us. There is more individual growth for me, for Randy, and no doubt for every other one here as well. We each can attain higher heights of spiritual maturity. We each can embody more closely and more fully the nature of Jesus himself. We each can, in fact, do a better job at implementing the positive things in life and leaving behind that which is negative. We all have works like that personally that we can bring to bear in our life. And as we do that, we will become more a person who is that epitome in 2 Peter 1, verses 5 to 7, of faith and love and godliness and patience and brotherly kindness and virtue and knowledge. That's a task that we each can set before ourselves in 2009. Perhaps another text, though, that, plates, that puts it on a basis of a, a very great insult if we fail would be this. In Hebrews 5, beginning in verse 12, For when for the time ye ought to be teachers... Ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Pausing at that point to notice, the Hebrew writer has directly thus told those to whom he wrote, The time has now passed when you ought to have been thoroughly acquainted with the sacred text. You should have been one who could powerfully, correctly, and efficiently teach others. But yet you are still in need of someone sharing with you the most elementary principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That should be a text that you and I often think about and use to motivate ourselves and to in fact give us incentive to move forward in our spiritual life. Notice the last verse in that chapter, verse 14 speaks about the exercising of ourselves in matters that are spiritual in nature. And the whole purpose and the whole conclusion to that in verse 1 of chapter 6 is this, let us go on into perfection. There is, you see, a perfection awaiting us. Not that in this flesh we will ever be sinlessly perfect, but we will be complete. We will be whole. We will be able to, in fact, be the manifestation of godliness and righteousness that God would have us to be. What about you, my friend, for the year 2009? Wouldn't that be a wonderful aspiration for each of us? To look expectantly forward to that year and hope that if God blesses us with the fullness of that year, that come this time next year, we could look back and say, look at the spiritual growth that God has brought to bear among us and the greatness of the fervor and peacefulness that we can feel. Maybe one last consideration is not only has God provided these passages that encourage us to spiritual growth, He has also placed before us some wonderful promises if we will follow through with that spiritual growth. Promises as embodied in places like Romans 8 verse 28. There in the heart of the Roman epistle, Paul writing to those brethren who were so beleaguered and who faced such great difficulties, he said, that in fact the greatness of God can be seen in this way. Namely, that you know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. 
those losses that I mentioned earlier, and those experiences that may on the surface look negative and bad, if we love the Lord and if we seek His calling first and foremost, God can work those things to ultimately redound to that which can be said to be good. In the Old Testament, in Psalm 37, verse 5, Commit thy way unto the Lord, and He shall bring it to pass. If we thus commit our way to Him, He has promised He will bring that to pass. Now, it may not be in the time frame we would have chosen. It may not be in the way we would have preferred, but He will bring it to pass. In Proverbs 3, beginning in verse 5, that inspired writer Solomon on that occasion also made this statement. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Let's pause there to note. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. That implies that you and I should appreciate the great trustworthiness that we should considerably place in His hands and on Him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and He shall sustain thee. That is to say, He goes on to say, Acknowledge Him in all thy paths, and He will direct thee. If we put our trust then in God for this coming year, as I mentioned earlier, intending to grow in a spiritual fashion, God will take care of the numbers. He will take care of the growth. And that's the same way that Paul felt about it, wasn't it? He said that I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. 1 Corinthians 3, verse number 6. As we then look with expectation toward this coming year, it is true indeed that none of us know the specifics of what God has in store. We do not know the exactness day by day, even month by month, but this we do know, that if we put our trust and our confidence in Him and focus upon those things related to spiritual growth, that the Pippin congregation will grow. Now, it may not be numerically, but it will be in the grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And with His blessing, that also will be accompanied by numerical growth wherein we have reached the precious souls of those that are lost, those that need the gospel, and they will have responded in faithful obedience to it. I might submit that since no human being knows the future in its specifics, we must rely upon the handiwork and the providence of God as we look forward to a 2009. And if He blesses us, may we be committed at Pippin to simply doing Bible things in Bible ways, to lift high the banner of the gospel and to proclaim it in all the works authorized by us in the New Testament. As we consider that authorization and the capability as instruments of God that we have, May we, like those earthen vessels in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, merely seek to be the instruments in the hand of an almighty God. God can do great things through us at Pippin. He can accomplish great works here and around the world as we simply strive to be humble servants of the Master. These things at least have set the stage for the lesson tonight, I might admit, for we will continue this set of thoughts and look with more specifics on that occasion but for now, could we say that we have at least briefly reviewed 2008? We have seen some occasions of rejoicing, some opportunities in which we were able to carry out the work of God. But we've also been able to look forward to the year 2009. I'd like to close with that same reading that was read earlier today. Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind 
and looking forward to those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. When Paul wrote that Philippian letter, he was himself then in a prison. He said, don't focus upon that which is past. Forget what's behind. Not in the sense of not allowing it to teach you lessons and things we can learn from it, but rather motivate oneself to appreciate that I'm pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Are you and I each pressing toward that prize? We should be. And with eagerness should expectantly desire that God would work with us and through us in 2009 to accomplish great things for His name and for His cause. Of course, that begins by being a member of His kingdom and a member of His body. Today, are you a faithful New Testament Christian? Have you had your sins washed away by the blood of the Lamb? Realize that the Savior stated that you must believe Him to be the Son of God. You must repent of your sins and confess His name as the Son of God and then be baptized. And upon so doing, He will add you to the church. You can then be a working member of that body, bringing forth good works unto Him, Titus 2.14. If you have become a Christian at some time, but you no longer live in an honorable fashion in accordance to that name and that vocation in life, come back to that first love we would be more than excited to pray on your behalf for God to forgive you of those sins and for you to be rededicated to a former place of justification next to Jesus. If we could assist you today in either of these ways, we merely ask that you let that be known, even if you would now, while together we stand and while we sing.